to uh, open up to questions or comments that you have about practice in daily life. Cultivating unconditional self-love. It, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a kind of an ideal or an idea. Um, <coughs> And, um, and as an idea, it may, there may be this sense of, you know, it needs to be perfect, you know. And so um, I think that it begins with just accepting and receiving ourselves. And that might not feel perfect, you know, that it might feel like, uh, first of all, a recognition that um, that um, you know we are just there are so many things that you know flow through us in terms of thoughts and emotions and wants and you know not wanting and um, and so, um, so that uh, there are a few people on here. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it's 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 acceptance. It's forgiveness. Uh, all of these are expressions of love. Uh, it's compassion for the heart that is in pain the being, the body that is in pain. Um, and, um, and another thing that I think is important in loving ourselves um, and, and fully accepting ourselves is, is also noticing um, what's beautiful about ourselves. You know, that's... Um, that's something that we often don't do. Uh, I remember hearing from a number of teachers that that um, uh, when they were practicing with with uh, meditation masters in Thailand or Burma, you know, they were sometimes told to contemplate their virtue. And um, and and Joseph Goldstein told a story about this the first time that. You know, he was having a lot of trouble in meditation. He had he had been meditating for a while, and uh, and it had he had gotten into a really deep practice, and then he had gone back to the states, and his practice, uh, you know, became more um, unsettled, and he kind of, you know, was feeling uncertain about it and not sure how to you know how to continue and. And so his teacher said, you know, <coughs> contemplate your virtue. And, and Joseph took that as a kind of a, a reprimand. Like, you know, the way he heard it was, 
contemplate your lack of virtue. <laughs> like, you know, how lacking you are. Yeah. And, you know, how much, how much you have, to, how hard you have to work to become more virtuous. And, but no, a teacher meant, you know, contemplate your virtue. Uh, like, think about, think about the beautiful qualities of heart that, that do manifest through you. And, you know, the generosity, the compassion, the love. Like, like if you saw somebody who was as kind and as loving as each one of you are, you know, and, and, and as I said earlier, that you actually have made the commitment and, and followed through and done this practice, you know, is evidence of a high degree of virtue because we don't even, you know, like there are some people, somebody who's been in the news a lot lately. (laughs) 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 It would be hard to imagine him, you know, sitting and meditating and looking at his mind, you know. Uh, So it's not to say... You know, we're so much better than, but, but, you know, because although although we make choices of how to live our lives, you know, it's the causes and conditions of our lives that enable us to make those choices. Um, like if I were never exposed to the Dharma, I wouldn't be practicing the Dharma. So, so it's not like. Um, I mean, and the causes of conditions of my life, you know, manifested through me in that I was drawn to practice the Dharma because I felt I needed something. And, and, and it was effective for me, so I continued. So, so it's not that we should not feel all proud of ourselves and that somehow we're superior, but, but to really appreciate the... Um, the beautiful qualities that we all, you know, that are present and that we have cultivated in various ways and that we can continue to cultivate. So, so you know, just loving, accepting ourselves, it's, it's something that I think develops um, through practice and... Uh, you know, when we find our, you know, when we find ourselves feeling less than, you know, or not good enough, or insufficient, or somehow uh, th- that we're um, in some way, you know, like unacceptable. <laughs> uh, You know, we need to look at that. I mean, sometimes we feel bad about ourselves when there is something that we're doing or some way that we are living or some way that we're relating to people or one person in particular. And and we begin to realize as we become more aware, like, oh, that doesn't feel right. And so, 
so we you know as as we become more and more mindful you know we can notice if if there's some harm that we're doing in some way and then we have the capacity to change that but so so there's a discernment that's needed you know are we feeling are we feeling remorse for something which really was unskillful so remorse can be a good you know is you know if it's if it's remorse and it's you know connected to a specific thing and or even a habit you know a pattern of behavior and, and we feel remorse about that then that is a that is our heart you know kind of inviting us to steer a different course um, but if we're just feeling bad about ourselves because you know it's comes from conditioning it comes from cultural conditioning um, or upbringing you know then then um, uh, we can use our practice to see through it and sometimes also you know when there are strong patterns when there's trauma when there's a deep woundedness psychotherapy can be very useful um, psychotherapy and um, and practice you know are not mutually exclusive so they can go together yeah I don't think that's what you were asking about but but just to you know as I'm developing the thought uh, yeah any do any follow up on that it's, question about how the notion of the self changes over time through practice. I mean, um, isn't the end goal that there, there really is no self? And then, but yet, through so much of our practice, we're, um, we're recognizing the virtue in ourselves. How does that, I don't understand how those two things mm-hmm. fit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, um, it's a wonderful question. Um, so, so the the uh, teaching on non-self is a very important and central teaching in Buddhism. It's, um, I mean, in many ways, it's it's the distinguishing feature of of Buddhist teaching from what was present when the Buddha uh, was, you know, kind of came into emerged as a teacher he, um, because there was teaching on impermanence, there was teaching on the unsatisfactoriness of experience um, uh, and his deep insight was into non-self um, in the sense of a separate permanent and independent self so um so it doesn't mean that you know we don't exist, but it does mean that who we are is um, an interconnected and changing flow of experience. So, um, so one of the ways of talking about non-self is that you know. Um, 
you know, our bodies are are um, you know made up of elements, and uh, you know we're made up of you know earth element, minerals from the earth, and food that we eat. We're made up of water. We're made up of, and this is this is in the Buddhist teaching on on the body, the mindfulness of the body. The, the Buddha teaches this teaching on the, on the elements, and, and and invites us to contemplate the body in this way. You know, made up of water. We're made up of uh, fire. So so the fire in the body is from the sun, not very visible today, um, and you know which nourishes plants and. You know, and we eat plants, or we eat animals that have eaten plants, and uh, and so the fire, you know, then is oxygenated in our body and warms the body. Um, uh, so the fuel, I mean, is oxygenated, and um, uh, and, and earth, water, fire, and air. Uh, so breathing, you know, we're. Where um, the breath in the body, the different gases in the body, so so we can understand non-self in that way. We can also understand non-self as you know the experiences which form us. You know, so our upbringing, our culture, our religious background or not or non-religious background, our our language, you know, even language, the language that we speak, the language that we grew up in, shapes how we perceive the world. Um, and so, uh, so we are conditioned beings. And, um, and so, when we arrive at Dharma practice, um, we're arriving because of causes and conditions and one of the causes and conditions is having heard the Dharma or been exposed to mindfulness practice or meditation and and then we engage with that and and so we engage with that with this sense of I'm engaging in this practice because of my goals my aspirations my you know my expectations of what I want from it, um, and and then there's very much a, a sense of I'm doing this, and so in in mindfulness practice, we we have the sense of I'm being mindful. I'm choosing to come back to the moment. You know I'm following the instructions to come back to the moment, and um, and there's very much a sense of. Of, you know, that there's a self who's being mindful, and um, and so uh, as we then as our meditation deepens, we we begin to see that that self that we had assumed was doing the practice and you know continuing on and on is something that's really not solid, not separate, not unchanging, not independent. It's that self is a flow of experience. You know, so 
So how we see ourselves really shifts in practice. Um, you know, like we have ideas about ourselves and we have ideas about what we want to become. So, you know, we might have negative ideas about ourselves, you know. We might have, you know, I'm... Uh, <coughs> I'm... People don't like me, or um, or I'm not very skillful. You know, like I'm not very good at things. You know, I I can't. You know, we have all kinds of negative ideas about ourselves, about what we can't do and what what we're not uh, enough of, or what we're too much of. Um, and then we also have, you know, some positive ideas about ourselves. Um, like, uh, you know, we may believe, you know, I, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. Well, in meditation, we discover that we're everything. That anything can come up in the mind. Um, there's there's a concept in, um, in psychology, Jungian psychology, of the shadow. Uh, so the shadow is that matter, you know, of the, of the mind, the, the, the aspects of the mind, which have been repressed, pushed down, denied. Uh, so, um, so like that experience, that story I told you about when I was on retreat and I saw a judgment in the mind, and I saw it so clearly, I thought, oh my gosh, look at that. There's a lot of judgment in this mind. And it was terribly disturbing because, you know, I had created a, um, an idea of myself, you know, that I wanted to project in the world of being a good person, a nice person, a kind person, you know, a compassionate person. And I realized that you know, there was definitely a shadow there of, of uh, not so nice. <laughs> Those thoughts not so nice. Um, so, um, understanding that, receiving that, uh, allowing that. So, I'm still answering your question. <laughs> it's, uh, um, So we begin to recognize that that the mind is, you know, just always changing, and and there's a kind of a a figure ground shift that happens at a certain point in practice, um, where there has been a development of mindfulness, a development of this. Uh, capacity to be with the changing experience of body and of mind body mind they're really one system and to to see to see that it's it's flowing it's impermanent it's ungraspable 
and and that there is a knowing quality in that experience of seeing the flow and that more and more we are finding ourselves kind of at home resting in that knowing quality of mind that knowing quality of awareness there's um, a teacher in uh, the Thai forest tradition one of the senior teachers named Ajahn Sumedho and uh, he had a beautiful way of talking about that and he said you know, be the knowing be the knowing rather than trying to become any thing in particular be the knowing so so you know I may be teaching but I'm not a teacher now you know if I were to have to write down on you know what's your occupation I would write teacher but that's not I don't think of myself you know I mean I guess in some ways it's a role but I'm not the role okay we're we have roles that we play but you know we're not that role we're more than that role we take on that role so you know there are a couple of teachers you know in this room um, you take on the role of teacher you know you stand in front of a classroom too much of a te- <laughs> as a teacher yes, uh, too much <laughs> <laughs> but you know how to do it you know there are mothers and fathers in this room you take on the role of a mother or father but you're not it's not it's something that you express and you do and you learn and you you're always it's always evolving and it's not who you are and we begin to understand this more and more and there's less we're kind of releasing this grasping at being some thing some definable self well that process is a little bit scary because if I'm not this definable thing whatever that is well who am I what am I and so we don't know I mean really not one of us sitting in this room or anywhere knows who we are really I mean we might know things about ourselves we might know what we like what we what we don't like um, most of the time but is it possible that we might come to not like something that we like right now is it possible that we might come to not like something uh, to like something that we don't like right now so it's not those are not absolutes so so more and more 
you know, as practice deepens, we abide in the not knowing. We abide in abiding in the body. Abiding in presence in the body is abiding in the not knowing. Because the body isn't full of concepts. You know, it's it's present, it's awake, it's aware. We are embodied awareness. When we're in our head all the time, you know, it's not that concepts and ideas are not very useful. They're extremely useful. I hope they're useful because I've been sitting here talking <laughs> for two days and with a lot of concepts and ideas. And, and there's some really important ideas and concepts that we that we can, you know, explore uh, about the Dharma, about the world, uh, about relationships. And, and ultimately, um, the reality is not the idea. The reality is the lived experience. And so, how the sense of self changes over time is that we come to practice wanting something. You know, we, we feel we want some kind of change in our life. We, will, we feel we want to effect uh, some kind of shift or <coughs> you know, to develop in some way or to let go of something or both or a lot more. And... And gradually, through the practice, we see through our ideas about the self. And we realize that, you know, I mean, in a way, the Dharma is just unfolding in our lives. This practice is just, and life is living. Life is living through us, as the poem said. You know, let life live through you. I mean, when we think about our lives and about how they have unfolded, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting to think about you know, how, ma- how much of our lives has just happened. You know? Things happen. We meet somebody. You know, we hear something. We go somewhere. You know, a thought comes up. Um, things happen and they and 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 there's a response and we're responding from what we have learned and those learnings are causes and conditions so it's life unfolding through us and it's not that we're without any choice because we there is a choosing there's a choosing to be present there's a choosing to pay attention or there's a choosing to be driven but who is choosing? so that's maybe can end with a question and you can explore that (laughs) that's helpful Um, I'm curious about the question that was raised um, yesterday so you're kind of saying that um, for this flow of experience um, and 
choosing, choosing to be driven, choosing to have an experience, this flow of life, um, not getting too attached to roles. But we're surrounded by people that are choosing to be driven, and we're relationships in the workplace um, with people that have really fixed mindsets, like this is, they're not even really interested in these teachings. Whereas I think all these teachings kind of resonate with us, so how does that kind of work? Like, should we kind of just seek out experiences like this? Um, but I think we do have to have, you know, contact with <laughs> with people who just don't think this way. Like, you know. So do you have advice on how I mean, that's a really important question. I think, yes, we do need to... Um, I mean, one of the things that the Buddha said was it's, you know, it's really important to have spiritual friends. So I, I think we do need to um, support and be supported by others who are on a path this path or a similar path, uh, a path, a path of you know, in some way, uh, a path of awareness, of deepening awareness. Um, and and it's also important that we're in the world, and um. You know, and it's it's challenging to be with people in, in the <coughs> workplace or, you know, in our communities or whatever, however we're living, or even in our families, who are um, uh, quite, quite driven or aggressive or, um, you know, not really questioning how their, their, their behavior or their ethics or the impact that they're having on the world. And um, <coughs> so, so I guess you know what's what's important is, and the, for me the practice edge is, you know, am I creating a sense of um, me versus them? You know, self versus other. Uh, can I can I have compassion? Can I? Um, have patience, and um, and can I respond in a way that feels to me like I'm responding with integrity? So, not not getting drawn into, you know, a reactivity. You know, so if somebody is you know aggressive at work or you know says something that that uh, feels um, unkind. You know, can I respond in a way that you know is true? You know, perhaps, perhaps is uh, you know pointing out that what they did or said, you know, was not skillful or was harmful to me or harmful in some other way. And but can I do it in a way? That doesn't negate their humanity, and um, so you know, uh, 
so the us you know the, the us and them that's that's you know me me uh, me or us it's usually us you know us versus them um, is 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 really a trap that we fall into and um, you know, in, in the training that I did with Joanna Macy, um, there was a kind of a, a training for activism, and uh, and there was this exercise that we did, um, and and it's it's actually from a Tibetan Buddhist training uh, of exchanging self and other, but this exercise um, was, you know, that. You know, there were three of us, and one person was taking a stand about something, like, um, you know, uh, you're not, you know, this is an old growth forest, and you're not going to cut down this old growth forest, and um, and it's wrong, and it's you know, it's greedy, and you know, it's just wasteful, and it's you know, it's so damaging and destructive, and you know, all of the things that we feel that our stand. And then the other person would take the part of the logging company, you know, and would say, you know, whatever they would say, you know, we need these jobs. Um, you know, this is, uh, um, there's so much forest, uh, whatever they would say. But, but that you have the opportunity to enter into the mindset of somebody else. Um, that may not be seeing what what you're seeing, and may not be seeing the you know what we feel are the very important things that we're seeing. Um, but but we can at least have some understanding and empathy of where they're coming from, um, even if we don't agree with it. So it kind of you know when you try to do that, it it opens your heart a little. To realize that this is a human being, um, and you know, and we're not in control of our lives. That's the thing. You know, we're not in control of who we have to live with. We're not in control of the events that happen, you know, around us. We're not in, even in control of. Uh, you know, our bodies and how they age or become sick. Um, I mean, we can do our best to stay healthy. We can do our best to make good choices um, and to be careful and be kind. But, you know, ultimately we're not in control. And, and so... And and maybe there's there's one story, uh, a, a Dharma story. Um, there was this, you know, the the Buddha at the time of the Buddha, he was always kind of engaging with t- other teachers from different traditions, and and um, and there was this uh, there was this one teacher that for some reason I, I don't I don't remember all the specifics of the story, but for some reason. Um, he was very angry at the Buddha, and he was very critical of him. 
and um, and and he came and spoke to the Buddha and and you know and he said you know this you know what you're doing it's it's just so ridiculous it's wrong it's you know whatever he said it was it was very angry it was aggressive and uh, and the Buddha listened and and then he said um, you know uh, after in the morning, you know, you partake of the offerings that have been given to you. And then when you're finished, you know, and these are kind of the, the, uh, the practices and the, and the way of life of, of, of uh, monks and ascetics at the time. So it's kind of, he was referring to that. You know, after you're finished, do you, if people bring more offerings, do you partake of them? And the... This other teacher said, "No, I don't, because uh, I don't. I don't need it, and I don't want it." And the Buddha said, "Well, that's you know." He says, "I it it remains with them. It remains with them. It belongs to them." And uh, and so the Buddha says, "Well, that's what it is with what you're giving me. It remains with you. It belongs to you. <laughs> I don't. I'm not taking it." And so, you know, if we can have that attitude of it's coming from it's coming from you. That's not about me. You know, I don't need to take that in. I don't need to put that on. I don't need to, you know, to even I don't even need to engage if I don't if I feel that it's not going to be it's not if it's not what I want to do right now or if I don't feel it would be useful I don't even need to get into some kind of discussion or argument you know that's where you're coming from okay peace be on you you know um, peace be on us both what did the third person do in the in the exercise with Joanna Macy yeah, the third person, I was an observer, um, and I think just gave feedback mm-hmm. to the other two, was kind of there as a witness, mm-hmm. uh, kind of holding the space. Sometimes it seems contradictory to have ambition as a meditator, and I'm just wondering what you, how you interpret that, to have worldly ambition but to still stay connected. Mm. So it's not ambition in your meditation, it's ambition no, in, in worldly in the world. career yeah. and so on. Yeah. Oh, such wonderful questions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Buddha talked about right livelihood. You know, we are living in the world. And, you know, we do have, uh, we do need to make a living and, uh, and, and if, you know, uh, if you have um, an ambition, you know, it can be, we can refine it. And, and, and the goals that are in our heart kind of move us forward in life. So, um, uh, you know, you, you can take, you know, how your, your career unfolds as a kind of a teaching, you know, like, 
a teaching in perseverance, a teaching in humility, a teaching in, you know, well, what do I want to do? Do I, um, you know, uh, do I want to, um, you know, go in this direction in, in my field or, or do I want to go more in another direction which might feel that it has more integrity for me? You know, so, so as we're changing and evolving in our practice, it, it will have an impact on, you know, where we feel we want to go. But, but I think if we, if we love something and we want to do it, you know, that's, that's wonderful in, in our lives because, because we do have gifts and we do have talents and, um, and it's good to bring those into our, into our lives. So, um, yeah, so I think we're going to transition now. Uh, so thank you very much for, for, these, uh, for this great discussion. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.